How are you today? All right, all right, I like that. That's good. Hey, today we're going to have a good time looking into God's Word. Got some things that I've been um, learning and relearning and some things that I believe that would be good for you. I can't help but think ahead a little bit to next week. Next week is a big day for us, and we've kind of had a few of these big days uh, a couple of weeks ago with Easter. But next Sunday when we have this dedication service, that insert that's in your program today, 10.30, it's the only service we have that day. No classes at 9 o'clock. Just come here for the 10.30. Maybe you want to get here a little early um, because it's just going to be a, a big day for us. And what we're going to do real quickly, among other things, is give thanks to God. Give thanks for His protection. We're going to talk about how this building, which was on fire in July of 2013, uh, was pretty close to being completely destroyed. And so we'll give thanks to God for His protection, and we'll give thanks to God for His provision that uh, it's coming together, and, and this building that's so important to our, his, our, our city and to us as a church, and and then we're going to give thanks for, uh, to God for purpose, that we have individual purposes and he uses buildings for his purpose and things like that. And when I started thinking about next week, I thought, you know what, that's kind of what heaven's going to be like too, where we give thanks to God that he protected us through this life and he brought us through and he provided salvation for us and he's providing a home for us. And, and then we're going to spend all eternity with great purpose Worshiping the Lord and, and in that new heavens and new earth, we're going to have jobs to do and we're just going to be giving God thanks. And so next week is a big day and it really is a picture of heaven. And so anyway, I, I started thinking about that a little bit and I thought, well, this building dedication is kind of a finish line for us. We're, we're getting some things completed and by no way will everything be done, but enough will be done that we can give thanks and and uh, so I started thinking about finish lines and getting completed and things like that. And finish lines are good, aren't they? I mean, to get to the end of something or you're looking ahead and you're thinking, oh, one day if I can get to that. And uh, th- those are good moments in life, especially on life's broken road. And this is what I want to talk about today, that we are traveling on life's broken road. I'm not going to break out a little Rascal Flats and sing for you or anything like that, but uh, I, I see, I know a little bit about country music. So uh, anyway, uh, but life is a broken road, and, and to get to the end of the street at times, to get to uh, solid pavement again, those things are good for us. And so I want to share some thoughts with you from Psalm 55. You have your Bibles this morning? If you do, I'd invite you to turn with me to Psalm 55. Or using your tablets, your phone, or the Bible sitting in front of you. We're going to be on page 475, Psalm 55. During a long week, I know that we say, oh, I cannot wait for that finish line called the weekend. And even on a beautiful day like this, maybe it's been a tough week and it's like, I can't wait to go home and, or go to the beach this afternoon, whatever that might be. We look for that finish line after a difficult week. Sometimes after a long winter or a lot of rain, coldness, darkness, we say, I cannot wait for beautiful sunny days. Yesterday afternoon, just walking downtown, the sun was beating on me and just like, this is beautiful. I have waited for this for a while. 
Sometimes it's a long season of school, it's a long season of work, and you say, you know what, if we can get to the end of this, we get a vacation. And some of you kids, you're looking for summer vacation. Those are finish lines, things like that. But with a difficult road called life, one of the things we're really looking for is an eternity with God, heaven. For those of us who've placed our faith in Jesus, this road is difficult, and one day... We will be with the Lord forever. And so I started thinking about our broken roads. And I started thinking about us as a church. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And then I want us to think about our own personal broken roads that we're traveling on. Let me start with the church because that's one of the things that is uh, consuming my mind a lot. With Willamette Community Church, one of the broken roads uh, we've had is that for the last 21 months after our fire, this has been one big Nasty, broken road for us. It's been 21 months. Some of you started attending church here and you've been here for less than 21 months. You don't even know that we have a basement. We do. We haven't even used it. Uh, And and we're going to get some of these things back here. But July 2013, we had a fire in our basement. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about that more and hear some of the phone calls that happened in the middle of that night and, and how that went about. Here's a picture of where that fire started, and it was just, it was a complete mess. Caused smoke damage throughout the entire building, which then the building had to uh, go through major deconstruction. So if you see this picture, this is our main hall up here. And I would just invite you to go up to the main hall again and compare this picture where we now have new flooring. Where they had to rip off the old tile flooring, had this exposed. And we've got now new paint and new light and things like that. And the coffee bars coming together. And there was a massive deconstruction. And we're still somewhat in that. And it's been 21 months in my office, I, have, I put a couple calendars just for the flow of a couple of years. And at the top of one says July 2013. That's where this fire was. And I go way down here to April 2015. Here we are. And I think this has been a long, broken road for the life of our church. And it's just, it's, it's caused much pain. As I've, uh, some of the things we've lost, we've lost bathrooms. I remember a few months back, we finally got to say we got our men's restroom back. I mean, there was an applause in here like, woo, finally. You know, and we're going to get classes back. We're going to get our fellowship hall. Some of you don't even know that we have a fellowship hall, but we do. And, and next week, we're going to invite you to go down there and just check it out and celebrate with us. But on this journey with the church for the past 21 months, I believe it's really a picture of our life. We'll talk more about that next week. But in our life, we have fires. We have major trauma. We have things that are painful or hurtful, just like this fire. And then after that, there's a time of deconstruction where things have to be pulled apart to get better. And this is what the Lord is doing with us. After you have experienced major hurts and pains in your life, the Lord starts peeling some things away to get to your heart. And then after he does that, after he deconstructs, he reconstructs. And he starts making a better you. And he's doing that with our building. And and this is just a picture of what God is doing for us. In fact, I'd like you to think on, if you're taking notes today, uh, after that it says me. And there's a blank line. And I'd just like you to put, what's what's part of your broken road that you're experiencing right now? And it might be something that you are in today might be a season that you've been in for a month or 21 months. Might be most of your life. But what's 
a broken road that you're experiencing. I'd like you to think through that a bit. It might have to do with your health. We hear uh, from many of you when you sign your connection cards and put them in the joy boxes in the back, you say something about so-and-so uh, just got diagnosed with cancer. And yesterday I heard of somebody passing away quickly. And this morning I heard of somebody else passing away quickly. And just we have health problems. Our bodies waste away. Some of you, it's relational issues. And you say, this is my broken road right now, and I've been on it for a while, and it has to do with relationships. For some of you, then it causes fear, and you say, my broken road is cluttered with fear. And some of you might be starting to put, these are my habits, these are my hurts in life, these are my hang-ups. I invite you to go ahead and take a moment and just consider your own journey right now. This will be helpful as we look into this psalm today. Because what I want you to hear today is that Jesus wants to meet you on your road. And he wants to today. He wants to meet you on your broken road. He knows about it as we sang. He knows your name. He knows your thoughts. He sees every tear that's falling from your eye. He hears you when when you call. And what God wants to do today is he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. If I had my notes right in front of me here and I were taking down some notes, I'd say, I've got some broken roads. Found myself yesterday crying a little bit over some of the brokenness in my life. And then, just I think for God to say, Are you going to practice what you preach, Scott? Are you going to be able to sit in their shoes, the people that you share with? He let me experience some other stuff last night. I went to bed. Everything was good. About 11 o'clock, one of my kids comes in from a late night, and that's probably another issue. But anyway, knock on the door. The dog freaks out. I mean, this is all normal. That freaks the cat out. The cat jumps off of the headboard, lands on my wife's face, rips her lip open. I actually fell asleep through all of that. They had to tell me that story. (laughs) I didn't really catch much of that. About 30 minutes later, she says, I think I need to go to the ER. And I'm thinking, 1130 on a Saturday night? Are you kidding me? The ER? And honestly, I started thinking of you and I thought, hmm, who could I call? (laughs) who would not be I thought of so many of you I thought they're close but they're closer friends and you know they're related and all this stuff and I thought well my wife probably wants me to take her to the ER so my broken road is at 1130 at night part of my little broken road this is just a little bump in that broken road is at 1130 at night I had to go to the ER I take her there, and this is kind of weird, saying, uh, my wife has a massive, fat, bloody, split-lipped, and I don't know what they're thinking about me. And I said, really, it was a cat jumping off of the headboard. (laughs) They had to ask her some questions without me around, you know, to make sure. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sitting there, and we're waiting, and I thought, Lord, okay, this is just, okay, I'm going to start practicing, and I was just Rehearsing what I'm about ready to say to you this morning. Because these things, they bring pressure in our lives, don't they? These broken roads, they bring pressure. And it's just, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? And one of the questions I'd like you to think through today is, how do I handle immense pressure? How do I handle immense pressure? 
And you can't just say poorly. All right? <laughs> How do you handle immense pressure? Whatever you're going through. I look out and see some of your faces, and I know some of your stories. And I go, there is immense pressure going on in your lives. How do you handle that? I want to look at Psalm 55 here and talk about that. Start by looking at the life of one of the heroes of the faith, David, a man after God's own heart. Psalm 55, page 475. I want you to look at some of the words that David says, and you can start to understand some of the pressure that he is facing. And I think you'll be able to resonate with David then as you understand. Say, those are some of the same feelings I'm having. Would you follow along as I start reading at verse 1? David says this, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint as I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me. And in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. And horror overwhelms me. I think some of you can relate to this. Verse 6. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. First thing I'd like you to consider as we look at these first eight verses that David writes out here today is to handle immense pressure, seek mercy from God. Simply saying, God, would you be merciful to me? This is one of the things that David says, God, hear my plea for mercy. I was saying this last night. I'm in the ER and I'm like, God, be merciful to me. I'm tired. And I start thinking, I wonder if this takes a long time if I should call in sick. Just natural thought. I don't know how long this is going to be. As I'm sitting there with my wife waiting for the doctor and she's kind of in pain, I get a phone call. I got a phone call. Who's calling me at 11.30, 11.45 at night? It's one of my kids. Okay. I go, what's wrong? And she's panicked. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, what? There's a spider in the bathroom. Sorry, i got to write you out, but this is part of my broken road. I'm like, kill it. I can't. It's huge. I'm like, just close the door, go to bed. I can't. He's going to crawl into the door. You know, all of it. Come home, she says. I'm like, I'm with your mom in the ER. I can't go to sleep. Come home. I'm like, Angela, do you mind if I go home and kill a spider? So I drive home and... It was big. I'll give you that. It was big. <laughs> Took like three times knocking him out before. Anyway, I drive back to the ER and I, I prayed these words. I said, God, be merciful to me. I mean, be merciful to my wife too. She's in pain, but I know what I have the alarm set for today already. And I know I'm not going to get much sleep. And so I just start, God, be merciful to me. I, I'm facing this pressure. We go in there, and my wife's not sitting where she was. I didn't know if she'd run away or she was being seen. 
anyway, she got seen. She got three stitches on her lip, and and she's kind of messed up there. But uh, anyway, seek mercy from God. And I was like, God, be merciful to us. And that's kind of a funny one. But I say that a lot. God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to us as a church. Be merciful to my brothers and sisters as they go through many things. Look at the words there, if you uh, would, verse 6. David says these words, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Do you remember the movie Forrest Gump? About 20 years ago? Forrest has a little friend named Janae, right? Jenny came from a tough home, though. Jenny had been abused much in her life. One day, Jenny's running from her dad. She goes into the cornfields with Forrest and she starts praying. You remember what she was praying? God, make me a bird that I could fly, fly, fly far, far away. God, please make me a bird that I could fly far, far away. God, please make me a bird that I could fly far, far away. She was, in essence, quoting what David said when he's inspired by God to write this. Sometimes we, God, would you be merciful even to help me just escape this whole thing? As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what, I've, I've read through this psalm before, and I pulled out this journal Bible I used in 2010. I thought, you know, what was I thinking about in 2010 as I read this psalm? And February 28, 2010, I'm not sure, I really don't want to look at my other journal, journal to figure out what it was, but briefly I said this, I said, I feel like this today, God. Would you make me a bird so that I can fly far, far away? But it's mostly my failures and the burdens of people that causes me to feel this way. God, you have given me your peace, not wings to fly away. That's David's prayer. Quickly, would you give me wings that I'd fly away? But what God does as we call out for mercy, he says, I'll give you peace. I'll help you to endure these immense times of pressure. But I think it starts with just calling out, God, would you be merciful to me? One of the things I notice here, David is saying, if you want to handle immense pressure well, and he was, as a king and an ordinary man like you and me, David's saying, seek mercy to handle immense pressure. Let's look at verse 9. Let's keep reading. Interesting, he says this, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. David was a fighter. I think we all have a little bit of fight in us. And he's like, God, just destroy them. For I see violence and strife in the city day and night. They go around it on its walls. And iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. He's frustrated. He's angry as he feels this pressure. Verse 12. Watch this. For is not it is not a taunt or it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, O man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. David's talking about some of the problem and the pressure he's facing is from a friend, someone who's close. Somebody who sits next to him when he goes and worships at church. Verse 14, we used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them, he says. 
Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Look at some of those words, and I think one of the ways David is talking about handling this pressure and the pain, even from close friends, is to allow justice to come from God. I mean, he's angry, and he wants justice. But he says, God, I'm going to allow you to do this. Even though I'm upset with this person, I'm going to trust you and allow you to bring about justice. Sometimes you and I are so quick to want to get in that fight and just bring about our own justice and retaliation. And and I hear David here saying, you know what, I'm going to allow God to do the justice here. David is a king. He had enemies from other kings. But he had enemies even within his own family at times. And he's saying this, in this case, it's my friends, it's my families who hurt me. You've heard the quote, with friends like you, who needs what? Enemies. With a friend like you, with a family member like, with, like you, I don't even need enemies. You're such a pain, right? And sometimes you could say that to other people. Sometimes they can say that to you with friend like that who needs enemies. I mean, in other words, we beat each other up so much. We don't even need enemies. We got them in our own house. We're sitting next to them right now. Sadly, we're good at hurting the ones we love, aren't we? The ones we love, our children, parents, our spouse. Then I started thinking, why do we do this? read a study on this, and the bottom line of this study was, well, we hurt the ones we love because we think we can. I mean, we just, we think we can. We're so close to them. You, you may never treat me like that or something like that. Or you may never treat a stranger like that. But you'll treat a loved one that way because you can. I think David's experiencing this. He's experiencing great hurt from a close friend. I then started reading this article and it just talked about some of the aggression we have. And maybe you'll see this as way people hurt you. But I'd even implore you to think about ways you hurt other people. There's direct aggression such as yelling And hurtful words. I don't do that to strangers too much. But I can hurt my family. With hurtful, direct, painful words. Even ask my daughter. She's like, dad was kind of in a grumpy mood at midnight last night. Well, consider why. But you know, yeah. I wouldn't have treated many of you that way. There's indirect aggression as well. Sometimes it's gossip. Certainly that's where others hurt us. But we can hurt others by this indirect aggression. We're so mad that we we won't yell at them. But we'll just talk so badly about them. And then there's even passive aggression, right? Ignoring them. I'm going to make you pay. I won't say anything verbally to you. But I will figure out a subversive way to make you pay. I was writing these words this week and I found myself wanting to gossip, find myself wanting to ignore. I think David's showing us though in this way, to ha- one way to handle immense pressure is to allow justice to come from God. To say, you know what, when you get hurt, eh, don't put up your dukes. Just, God, would you be merciful? I'm going to allow you to be just. Verse 16, let's keep following along. 
goes on to say this, But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Let me read that again. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint, complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old. Because they do not change or do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. So I look at this, I think, David, how are you handling pressure? What are you saying in here? And I think another key for us to handle pressure that we face is to continue to call to God. Would you write this down? To continue to call to God. And I found myself even in the ER last night and I found myself just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. I was just like, oh God. (laughs) I guess this will make a good story for Sunday morning, but I want to go home. I want to go to bed. I want my wife to be all fixed and let's go. But it's a continual calling to God. Let me give you some passages in the New Testament that show us this idea of continually praying. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 simply says this, pray continually. How often should I pray? Constantly. Constantly communicate with God. Listen to Him. Talk to Him. Pour out your heart to Him. You're facing immense pressure. What do you do? Pray continually. Talk to Him. Continue to call out to Him. Colossians chapter 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue, continue steadfastly in prayer. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be faithful in prayer. Be faithful. Saying, I'm not getting what I want. Continue. I'm not receiving the peace yet. Continue. Continue. And I think by this, David shows shows us another way to handle immense pressure by continually continually calling out to God. Then we get to the last couple verses. Verse 22. Would you follow along as I read these two? He says this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out their day, out half their days. But I will trust in you. Let me share a couple more points with you as I read these two verses. One, to handle pressure, we have to turn all cares over to God. Simply turn all cares over to God. Every little care, every big care, every pressure that you're facing, turn it over to Him. The idea of that word turn there or cast is to release it. Just, I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. I'm not going to obsess over it. I'm just going to turn it over to you, God. We struggle with that, don't we? The idea is to throw these cares away, to disregard them and just say, you know what, I'm not going to hang on to this. i got to let you know I struggle with this. 
just being a follower of Jesus, being a husband, being a dad, being a leader, being a pastor. Like you, I, I have a lot of cares, a lot of burdens, a lot of things that cause immense pressure. And what I like to do is to take them and put them in my pocket and carry them on my heart and put them in my mind and, and, and hang out with them. And a way to handle immense pressure, David says that in verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord. Just throw it to him. Let go of it. And he will sustain you, it says. I want you to know this, that God has and does and will sustain you. Let's consider this for a moment. This is what God's been doing with you all along. He's been doing this with me all along. He's been doing this with Willamette Community Church for 21 months. He's been doing that with this church since 1867 when we started. He's been doing that with the church of Jesus since Jesus was raised from the dead. He's been doing this from the garden of Adam and Eve that he has and does and will continue to sustain you, to uphold you. Can you look back and go, you know what, he has been doing that. He's been carrying me on this broken road. And he's doing it right now. And guess what? He's going to do it tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. This was such a beautiful passage for the Apostle Peter. He, in his letter, he writes this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. I want you to cast all your anxiety on the Lord. Because he cares for you. Write this down. Memorize this. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Every little thing that makes you anxious, every big thing that weighs on your heart, just throw it back to God and say, God, you got big shoulders. You carry this. He says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to trust me to carry this because that's what I have done in your life and that's what I'm doing right now and that's what I'll continue to do. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. You see, as a church organization we have pressures as a church family you and I we have them individually and in our relationships I can't help but think as I look back this is what God has done he's sustained us and he's doing it today and when we celebrate this next week we'll say this is what God has been doing and he'll continue to do that so will you cast your cares on him I think David shows us this is one of the ways to handle immense pressure. If you don't do this, it's going to cause great heart problems. I have a bottle of aspirin in my office when I get heart, when I feel pressure. It's like, and I try not to, I'm just going to cast my cares on the Lord and he'll help my heart. My dad said, yeah, but take this too. It helps at times. But cast your cares on the Lord. I hardly use that bottle. It's just a reminder, go to the Lord before you go to that bottle or any bottle, right? I look at verse 23, at the end of verse 23, and there's one more thought I want to share with you. The very few few last words at verse 23, David says these words, but I will trust in you. Do you see that? Underline those words. Circle them, highlight them, whatever you do. 
Here's a choice that David makes at the end of this. He's feeling great pressures as a king. He's feeling great pressure as an individual. But he says, I will trust in you. This is my choice. Here is my last thought for you on this. Uh, To handle pressure, we are to choose to trust in God. You want to handle pressure well, choose to trust in God. God, somehow you are allowing this. God, somehow... You are working all things for good. Somehow, God, you are shaping my character in this. Will you choose to trust God in your immense pressure? I think what David's doing here a little bit is a little bit of self-talk. Wouldn't you agree? He's saying, okay, here's where I'm going with this. I've written all this. This is my heart. This is where I'm at. But I'm giving myself some talk. This is what I'm doing. I'm choosing to trust in you, God. We use this phrase around here, preaching the gospel to ourselves. Preaching the good news of Jesus to ourselves, A little self-talk. I do this, and I hope you do this. Say things like this. Jesus is with me. Okay, I'll trust in him. Jesus upholds me. Okay, I can trust him. Jesus is carrying me. Okay, I can trust him. Jesus loves me. Okay, I can trust him. Jesus sustains me. I'll trust him. I'll trust him. A little bit of self-talk there. We need to be preaching that good news, that gospel to ourselves. But then as I was thinking about this, we kind of have to preach it to each other, don't we? I was in a room this week with some people, and they're talking about immense pressure in their life. And I'm saying things like this. Seek the Lord. Allow God to do his thing. Cast all your cares on him. And and I'm sitting there thinking, Scott, take your own advice. (laughs) But sometimes we need to preach that gospel to people around us. We need to preach good news to others, to comfort, to encourage. Sometimes you're with people and you need to be telling them, listen, I want you to know that Jesus is with you, so trust him. You can trust him. I want you to know that Jesus is upholding you right now, so you you can trust him. I want you to know that Jesus is carrying you right now. Trust him. I want you to know that Jesus loves you right now. Trust him. I want you to know that Jesus is sustaining you right now. Trust him. Not only do we have to speak that to ourselves, we've got to speak that to one another because we all need this. We're all facing this immense pressure. Not only do we need to preach that gospel to ourselves, but to others. And I believe that David, what he's showing us here, is that to handle immense pressure, we, we just have to make this choice to trust in God. Say, but I will trust in you. Let me finish by asking this question. So what? What are you going to do with this now? Because I do know this. I know that your road is broken that you're on. There are broken pieces to that. Maybe today things are really good, wonderful. You're in a nice patch, but I know this too. That for each of us, the road will continue to be broken until one day we are with Jesus face to face. So how are you going to handle that immense pressure? Let me just go over this list again. As I do, would you write these down? As you travel life's broken road, how are you going to involve your creator? As you travel life's broken road, as you face this immense pressure, seek him. Write it down again. Seek him. Go to him. Allow him. Allow him to be God. Allow him to be the judge. 
call to him. Talk to him. Early and often. Turn your cares to him. Turn cares to him. Just over and over. Release it to him. Choose him. Choose him. And we are told, and he will sustain you. He says, as you do this, he will sustain you. He will hold you. I want to give you a moment today just to close your eyes, bow your head. Consider your broken road. Would you do that? Would you just bow your head right now? Would you close your eyes? Take a moment between you and your creator, your savior. Maybe that broken road is just a small thing that you've gone through in the last 24 hours. Maybe it's, you know what it is. Consider that. And in these moments, would you take that again to your Heavenly Father? Would you say, God, this just causes so much pressure in me. Causes so much pain. Sometimes it's your fault, sometimes it's someone else's fault. But whatever it is, it hurts, it's broken. Would you call out to God this morning and say, God, I need you? We sang that this morning. Lord, I need thee every hour. I need you this hour. Maybe even for the first time, someone's saying, you know what, I I need you, God, for the first time. I've been trying to do this broken road by myself. I need you. Would you just share that to the Lord? Can you get to the point where you say, you know what, I'm going to choose you. But I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Because you're the one who is has sustained me and you do and you you'll continue to do that you share that burden before the Lord and this morning you're saying I love you and I'm with you keep casting that before me and I will sustain you Heavenly Father I don't like a broken road. I would rather have smooth sailing, a clear, fast highway, sun just beaming in my face, no traffic, no bumps. But that's not even the road your son had. The road that your son was on led to a cross. That was broken. And yet... It led to victory. It led to an empty tomb. It led to your son being enthroned with you as we speak. And that is where this broken road is leading us. And so would you continue to shape our character? Help us to see our need for you. God, part of me hates 
the fact that myself and my brothers and sisters have to go through so much crud. I hate it. I hate reading every week in one sense all the pain that we experience. But what I also know is that you are shaping us and you are preparing us for all eternity. And you are turning this into good. And so because of that, I I can praise you this morning. And God, I ask that as we are thinking about our broken road, that somehow you can help us envision that you are with us, you are sustaining us, you are taking us home, and one day we will be with you forever. And that starts changing our hearts, making our hearts cheerful, and that starts putting a smile on my face even as I say this. God, would you do that to my brothers and sisters this morning? Would you, as we turn to you, would you cheer our hearts? Put a smile on our face. Help us to see that you are victorious and we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So we thank you for that. So continue to work in our hearts. As we go from here today, help us to praise you because of who you are in our life. We love you and commit all this to you. In Jesus' victorious name.